the the thing is, is that there's a very there's a very simple rule to anabolics. The stronger it is, the greater its effects, the greater the price is going to be. Exactly. And it's as simple as that. The, you know, there's the old economic saying, there's no such thing as a free school meal. And, and it is true. Everything has a price. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally, and all of our programming is brought to you by you, the people at Patreon. Uh, we're also brought to you by truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK for additional savings. We're brought to you by Strom Sports Nutrition for those of you in the UK. And we're brought to you by supplementsource.ca for our Canadian folk. Oh, and last but not least, we're brought to you by evalbloodanalysis.com. You can get your lab work done by Dave if you're in the UK. Dave, we're going to talk about uh, dealing with side effects from trend today, and we've got a bunch of listener questions, and if you guys want to take part in the next show, then comment below, and if you are new here, let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell, because we have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week, lots of education and entertainment from guys like Dave and myself. We've got a bunch of different people, so tune in, learn some stuff, and you know, get through your cardio, your work day, or whatever else you're doing. So trend side effects, this is probably, I'd say, the most popular and notorious compound uh trend and uh, it you know one of the reasons it's so notorious is because i mean first of all it it does give huge effects but it has huge side effects too now i know like victoria said all those years back and i know it stuck with you because i've heard you say it since it that that you know there are side effects there are effects and there are the intended effects you know that we want and then the side effects, they're just kind of part of the deal, too. Trend is such a freaking strong androgen. There's a lot to cope with. So how do we cope with trend? Yeah, I mean, side effects, I suppose, really is the wrong terminology. It's all effects because they're not, they're not um, accidental effects of the drug. They are what the drug does, you know, and it's just that they're unwanted effects for us as bodybuilders, but they're not actually technically side effects. Yeah, if you take a powerful uh, androgen, uh, right, that's going to have like wild effects and you're going to deal with some stuff you don't like too. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the, the most common one is the elevation of prolactin. Um, let's not get too technical, but... One of Trent's strengths, but also one of Trent's problems, is it has a very high relative binding affinity. In fact, it's the highest of all anabolics, which is, and it is what we use as the standard. So all other anabolics are, convert, are, are compared to Trent for relative binding uh, affinity. How hard and how strongly it attaches to a receptor. Where Trent has this widespread effect is because it doesn't only attach to androgen receptors, but it attaches to the progesterone receptor. Hmm. It attaches to the estrogen receptor, and it actually acts as an estrogen agonist. Yeah. It attaches to 5-alpha reductase. So it has this broad cross-spectrum effect. Now, one of the side effects from Trent is elevated prolactin. Now... It does this primarily by attaching to dopamine transport proteins, therefore lowering active dopamine in the brain. As dopamine levels drop or active dopamine levels drop, prolactin elevates. Now, prolactin can elevate from high estrogen and it can elevate from lowered um, dopamine. If it elevates from lower dopamine, its impact is much, much greater. 
on both tren and nandrolone effect from the dopamine axis, whereas estrogen obviously is usually from aromatizing compounds. And you'll see levels of prolactin four, five, six hundred in someone who's just running tests and mast. Yeah. With, with no nandrolones in there whatsoever, but they will have no side effects. And then you'll see a level of 600 through someone who's running an nandrolone, and they'll have shitloads of prolactin-based side effects. So the reason we use cabogoline, and, and particularly with nandrolones, trend in particular in this case, you do need to use cabogoline, is because it's a dopamine receptor agonist. So it offsets that lowering of active dopamine, and as a result, lowers prolactin. One of the other effects that trend has is it increases estrogen sensitivity or the estrogen receptor sensitivity. So it's an estrogen receptor agonist. Um, and the other thing it does is it binds with 5-alpha reductase. So it effectively lowers DHT. DHT has a protective action at the nipple against gyno, plus the receptor is more sensitive, plus elevated prolactin raises the number of receptors ER receptors at breast tissue trend does make you very susceptible to gyna. Absolutely. With all these different mechanisms going on at once. One of the issues with Trenbolone, though, in a standard um, assay test, trend will show as estrogen. So yeah. it therefore makes estrogen management difficult because you can't test it because it's going to look like your estrogen is super high. Yeah. So really, if you're going to run a trend cycle with an aromatizing base like testosterone, start your test, get your levels, see where your estrogen is, put your management in place, then bring your trend in and expect to have to increase your estrogen management by sort of 10 to 20% to cope with the increased sensitivity that trend's going to create. Um, yeah. Other sides, obviously, there's huge impacts uh, neurally. Uh, massive elevation in neuron activity, which is why we get anxiety and paranoia and overthinking, and a restriction of GABA. So it's probably worthwhile supplementing with GABA while on trend to try and offset that reduction of GABA activity in the brain and help with some neuron control. Um, so all, all anabolics increase neuron activity. Trend is particularly harsh at it. Uh, and with the reduction of GABA as well, you can't regulate that elevated neuron activity, which is why you get this paranoia why you get overthinking, why you get anxiety. Um, there's belief it also engages with a cannabinoid receptor, which is why we get this coldness, this distance from... from um... Really? So, yeah. So, one of our oldest depression mechanisms, you've heard the saying that misery loves company. Of course, yeah. And, and, and that's based... A lot of these sayings are based around just human action observation. Um yeah. And, and so what happens is there's lots of different cannabinoid receptors in the brain. They're not just there for, for weed <laughs> before someone says something. <laughs> um, and one of our mechanisms to cope with depression uh, is to seek out company. So we look for companionship if we're feeling low. We look for a friend if we're feeling low in mood. Yeah. Um, obviously, severe depression can be the opposite and push you away from people. But, but you know, low mood generally, we will we will seek friendship, we will seek companionship. Trend basically switches that mechanism off. Um, yeah. and so we tend to step step away from that, and we become isolated, and we we repel people around us. We don't want them near us. Yeah, yeah, I, I could say we probably all have experienced that to some level or another. That aspect was something I wasn't aware of. Well, that's my, that's her. Oh, by the way, when we talk like shit like this, this is 
this is all that I understand as it stands at this present time. Yeah. So if I'm wrong, it's because I haven't learned any better yet. I've changed yeah. my mind a million <laughs> times over the and years. That's okay, as gone on. right? That's okay. Uh, but yeah, that's my understanding. Yeah, Tren. Tren has a, a, a big impact with the glucocorticoreceptors. Now, all anabolics do that. It's why they're called anabolics because they switch off the cal- catabolic action that glucocorticoreceptors can cause. Right. Um, they're protein sparing. Uh, so, all anabolics have that action, but Tren does it to such an extent. And one of the actions around glucocorticoreceptors is also inflammation management. So, as a result, Tren can increase inflammation. Hmm. And it's all these factors together, which is why Tren has got such a bad reputation for harsh sides and why it's regarded as such a harsh drug. Now, how do you cope with these things? Well, obviously, estrogen management needs to be set in place before you start the compound. Prolactin, you're not going to cope with prolactin raised from Tren with P5P, hmm. uh, a form of vitamin B6, which is very, very effective for prolactin raised in other areas you're pretty much going to need Kaber to deal with that or Dostinex, depending on what brand you want to look at. Uh, Prami as well would be viable there. Um, so you're going to need a, a proper dopamine agonist to deal with the prolactin that's caused by Trembler. Um Some of the mental health stuff, you can do things like um, use GABA and such like, but a lot of it is just going to have to be your own mental fortitude as well. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I think, the, and, and I, I know you'll agree with this, but to take it even a step further back, uh, like real world dealing with side effects from trend is use the least amount. You know what I mean? Use the least amount yeah. to get an effect. And the reality is when I first started using it, I looked at the message boards and guys were running 100 milligrams every other day. And that's what I did. I had a really, I would say, an an unpleasant experience with it. And then later I learned that you can get benefits from it with low, low doses. And I think that a lot of people are figuring that out now. People are using almost like micro doses, you know? I remember yeah. the next time I ran it, I started it at 25 every other day, okay? And then I moved to 50 every other day. And I slowly built up from there and and, and I got fantastic results. And I, and I felt that that taper didn't per like i i got a, adjusted to it i guess and also then yeah, uh, then going into my first contest prep my coach had me use 50 every other day we never went higher than that so 200 a week you know 150 200 a week and i found that uh that was that was plenty like realistically that was plenty and for most people i don't have them go higher than that if you're like if you're like a light heavyweight competitor honestly you can do absolutely fine with you know maybe a dht like masteron some test and then just a low dose of trend and realistically if you can deal with that you can you can get away with a lot less side effects than when you're trying to run it higher man i've heard so many stories and you have too of guys that are running like you know 200 a day even which is insane oh i've i've run it ridiculously high um but we won't we won't get into that yeah uh, <laughs> Um, the other thing as well is uh, that you, a lot of people will say, I, I've run 300, 400 a week. I've had no problems. I've had no problems, all problems. And then all of a sudden, they do get problems. You've mentioned that and, before. And unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, when you do get problems with Trend, it is very difficult to sort of go backwards from that point. Um, 
There's a lot of debate and dispute around whether Tren does cellular damage within the brain. Uh, there was a study that, that was misquoted quite a lot where people were saying, oh, Tren causes Alzheimer's. Okay. Um, and that wasn't the case. But what they did state was that the neuro damage that they have seen in Trenbolone users was akin to the neuro damage that they saw from Alzheimer's. Okay. Um, there, there is believed at this point that there is a cumulative effect. So, i.e., you can use Trend for year upon year upon year and have no problems, but you'll get to a tipping point where the damage neurally is at such a point that then you do have problems or you are then sensitive to it. Uh, a lot of this is, is work that's come out of Oslo. Um, but at this point, I would say it, it's not conclusive. But there is definitely a thought that Trend does have some neurotoxicity. I know Broderick doesn't agree with that. He thinks it's greatly over-exaggerated. Hmm. I, mm, I think there's too much anecdotal to say that there isn't something going on. I, I just I put think out of my own experience that, yeah, and, hmm. and it's the, one of those compounds, too, that when you know, we hear about terms like roid rage, that's one of the few compounds that I've seen people really flip a switch and change. Like, yeah. I'm talking yeah. their personality completely change. Really, I think, I think the 19 Nors in general are going to be your wild card. You know what I mean? Like, mm. sometimes yeah. DECA will do the same thing. NPP will do mm. the same thing. But, yeah, trend especially, I mean, just because it's so freaking strong. Um it, it, it takes yeah, I mean, a lot, and if you're already like maybe not the most balanced person, it's definitely going to not make things any easier. <laughs> not at all. And the only other thing that's been shown with Trend is AKI, uh, acute kidney injuries. Oh, okay. Now yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That is different to kidney damage. Okay. Now, the, the, the data on this is case study based. So it's not a collective study. It is individual cases where people have reported or been diagnosed with AKI and upon the ceasing of Trembolone use, the AKI is gone. Okay. Um, now AKIs are generally recoverable, uh, in that your kidneys will recover from an acute kidney injury. Um, however, repetitively hitting them would result in kidney damage eventually, which would be permanent and then potentially regressive. Um, so, um, yeah, there, there's a few things in there that are, at this point, I'd say suggested or there is some evidence to support, but it's not at a point where you could say categorically trend does this. Yeah. But what I tend to, to base a lot on as well is, you're not done. You know, if you know when you trait 10, you get paranoid as fuck, you get anxious as fuck, you start accusing your missus of cheating, uh, and you start, getting, you start getting quite aggressive thoughts around sex, then the chances are that's doing something in your head that isn't really desirable. <laughs> yeah, we don't need that, you know. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's not, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. It is a drug that demands a huge amount of respect, and it is probably one of the most powerful drugs there is. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd put um, it right I up there as far as compounds that hmm. we use on a, especially considering how socially accepted it is now. Even in the mainstream media, hmm. I see people talking about it that have like zero to do with bodybuilding. You know, you hear about bodybuilding, and one of the steroids that the mainstream knows about now is Trend, and they know that it does all this quote magical stuff. You know. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's this. The, the thing is, is that there's a very, there's a very simple rule to anabolics. The stronger it is, the greater its effects, the greater the price is going to be. Exactly. And it's as simple as that. The, you know, there's the old economics saying there's no such thing as a free school meal. And, and it is true. Everything has a price. And and if a compound is going to be super effective, then you've got to understand that there will be a cost somewhere along the line, even if it's not particularly obvious. I mean, DECA, for example, is not really physically impacting. Yeah. But neurally, it is. And depression around DECA and things like that, obviously the dopamine impacts, effects on neuropeptide-wide, loss of memory, that sort of shit, is quite impacting with DECA. But physically, it's not that impacting. Trend is much more impacting physically, but then it is more powerful than DECA as well. And and there's there's no denying that. I mean, it is a sledgehammer of a drug that needs... I wouldn't say... You know, it shouldn't be used or any of that. I just think the drug needs respecting. Yeah. And, and uh, I, think, I think, you know that, what? That's the thing with it. You know what I'll say too, Dave? A couple things. I'll say one thing is, as far as managing side effects goes, as a coach, having had experience with a lot of competitors over the last 14 years now, I can say that the key for me has been two things. Uh, number one, like you said, manage estrogen. And number two, keep the dose low. And if you can do that, I found that that's the best way to manage it as far as prolactin side, stuff like that. If you have your estrogen under control to begin with and uh, you're going to be in a, a much better place, then don't use a ton of it. Uh, that's that's the first thing I wanted to say. And then the the second thing is it's important that we have the ability to recognize when our thinking has become contaminated. I have clients a couple few times now who have told me that, like they they're they're all of a sudden their thinking has changed and I can see that their thinking's changed, right? But then like when we get depressed and it's been proven that when we're depressed, we remember the dark times. And when we're happy, we remember the good times. So when you become uh, we'll say contaminated by trend, then you're going to start thinking about bodybuilding differently and your memories of bodybuilding are going to be different. And before we know it, you're like, you know what? I just don't like bodybuilding and this isn't what I want to do. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to chase a plastic trophy. You know, you start saying stuff like that when a month ago, before you started the trend, you're, you're in a great mood. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's something I think it's important that we can like, we can analyze ourselves on that deeper level. I think that it's not always practical for everybody that you need, I think across all steroid use, to be honest, but I think trend is particularly one that this, this is relevant with. You need a person to act as a benchmark, to act as um, almost like a safe word in, in yep. that they will say to you, Oi, Dave, you're being a dick. Yep. You know, you, you might not you're grumpy, you're snappy. Yeah, you're grumpy, you're snappy, you're being unreasonable. No, I'm not. Yeah. Just everyone else is a f- kid. No, yeah. you are, you know, and you need someone 
who you know has your best interests at heart. Absolutely. To be able to turn around to you and go, look, no, for X, real. Y, Z, yeah. this is what's happening. Yeah. Because you don't always see it. No. And I mean, I'm surprisingly not particularly grumpy on trend, even at very high doses, but I am particularly grumpy when I'm dieting. And I've always been lucky in the sense I've always had my wife. Uh, and she would just sit me down and go, look, you're a crabby bastard. Yeah. So if you're going to continue on this diet, sort your head out because it's not everyone else's fault. You can't eat it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I've always had that, but not everybody has that safety net or has somebody that understands enough to be able to be, uh, what's the word, unbiased in their an analyzing of where, how you're behaving because a partner can sometimes just be like, look, you're a twat. Well, no, you're not. It's just you're pissed off with me because I've done something that you didn't like or I've not yeah. let you do something you wanted to do. But you're right. you so got to have you, a partner that you or somebody out there, maybe your training partner, somebody that knows you well enough yeah, that the, you could trust. We should move on, though, Dave. We have a, a bunch okay. of stuff here. That was good. That was really good. Um, we had a couple questions from Patreon. I wanted to make sure that we got to them. So I'll just jump straight into them first. We have a guy who's uh, looking to add mint to his TRT. He says, I'm looking to add Ment Ace to my TRT for a six-week stretch for a little TRT plus, plus put on a little bit muscle. He's 38 years old, 10% body fat. He's on 210 test sip, 250 HCG, both split into three shots per week and 0.25 Arimidex uh, twice a week. And he's never done a cycle before. His plan is to add a max dose of 10 milligrams uh, per day in for uh, in week two uh, as tolerated. Um, he says he has plenty of Rimidex and Romacin on hand and even Caber for prolactin if needed. What do you think of this whole idea of he's never done a cycle before and he chooses to use Ment, which did he say 10 milligrams a day? That'll be 70 so he, milligrams a week. Yeah, but is, is he looking at oral then? There's an oral version of Ment in there. I haven't seen it. I imagine he's going to inject it every day. I just... There seems... I mean, I find his, his TRT dose a bit on the high side. And the fact that he's having to use... He's using HCG with 210 and then using ADEX. Um, is already in a position where there's extra drugs for extra things. Two ten, I mean, I'd like to see blood work, to be honest, to, to see where his levels are sitting based on that 210. Uh, but, yeah, it's it seems an overly complex way to go about it instead of just going into a traditional cycle of bang 400 mega test a week and, and job be done. Yeah, I wouldn't... I'm not sure why you choose men. It's not the easiest drug to handle. Yeah. Um so I, I I find that a bit of an odd choice, personally. I mean, even even like 350 tests. I'm, I'm with you, 350, 400 tests. If he wants to do like TRT plus and he doesn't want it to be crazy, what about 300 tests even? Yeah, like I, I just, at, I don't, men, I just find men a bit unpredictable. Obviously, we know it aromatizes at a weird rate. Uh, and it, it, it's just an odd drug to work with. Um I mean, I know, I'm wondering if he's seen the TRT studies around using men. Because there are some TRT studies out there. 
Yeah, and he sort of got the ideas from there. But personally, I'd just go for a straight test. I wouldn't bother with the men. I would agree. Um, Especially I with his experience level. Hmm. All right. Okay. So we have, uh, let's see. I hope to be featured on the show since Christmas Cabbage may not make it. Um, he was right. Christmas Cabbage isn't here today. Um, love the drugs, but here's a training question. Um, I've been training enhanced for three years now, and I squat 315 for sets of eight with a max of 455. And I think... Uh, as I get stronger, I have uh, it has influenced um, me needing less sets. I have been having trouble with leg soreness and have finally come to terms with the fact that two sets of quad dominant movements is all I can tolerate without leg aches literally keeping me up at night. Movements like squats and Bulgarians always. Uh, uh, anywhere remotely close to failure will cause my legs to ache too bad for the next 48 hours if i do three or more sets it literally aches to the point i have to take ibuprofen and tylenol to stay asleep um my chest gets stimulated with three sets and my back needs four sets i've been looking into dc training this week and i think it's this method would be uh, great for uh my leg predicament since it prescribed one working set broken into three rest pause sets scott i know you started out doing a lot of dc style training uh, where you do one exercise per muscle group uh, per day utilizing one intense rest pause set uh, so he's asking if okay i'm, I'm just going to stop there because i just there's a lot more he had more to and further on i only screen capped part of it so his legs get really sore and he wants to do less volume. Everybody's doing like the uh, top set, back off set thing nowadays. That's real popular. He could try that, right? Yeah, I, I, I've, I find his level of leg soreness unusual. And I wonder what causes it, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm more down the line. Is is there an issue here with, with tightness? Is there an issue here with a lack mm. of flexibility? Is it something along those lines? Uh, I mean, he says across the board, he he's he, he he needs little to stimulate growth, but then we don't really have any stats around growth either. I mean, how much has he progressed in in over what period of time with what element of drug use, etc., etc., etc. Agreed. Um, and unfortunately, with these things, everybody's an individual, you know. So you can't really judge one person's progress against another person's progress. Because um, it, it, it's just not fair. Um, I mean, I've, I, I have clients that, that squat 455 for sets and they're natural. Hmm. But that doesn't mean that his weight is crap. I also have clients that use a ton, shit ton of gear and will struggle to squat 315. So... You know, it, it is very relative to the individual and their efforts. And without seeing the level of intensity he's generating within a workout or having a bit more understanding of how his progress has been and his drug use around that and a bit more before the picture, it's difficult to say. If he wants a training style that is minimal volume, then yes, DC is definitely something he could look at. However, 
the 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 truth of it should be that the soreness comes from the level of intensity and muscle fiber stimulated and if he's doing dc correctly it will be as stimulating if not more stimulating than a higher volume approach yeah and i don't think there's a lot so like you might be able to do a rest pause on like a leg extension but you aren't doing a rest pause on squats not easily Unless well, you're not in, in the upper standing position. Standing well, not in, position. yeah, and not in DC training. DC training won't have you do that on like a leg press or uh, on a on a squat. That you'll be doing a widowmaker set, which is going to be one balls out set with everything you've got. You know, which could take it could be like a three minute set, Dave. You know, like the mm. most brutal set you've ever done in your life, gun to your head set. And I guarantee you, the soreness is going to be absolutely absolutely wicked from that you know yeah i mean to me the soreness is linked to intensity and if you do dc correctly the intensity is very very high probably more so than with a volume based training so if he's looking at dc because he says it's less volume well it is but it's more intense work so that offsets the other so i don't think it cures the problem yeah uh and if he's got extreme muscle soreness in his legs I would be more of the line of if there's something wrong here in the sense of muscle tightness or something of that nature. Or, and this is going to sound harsh, and please don't take it the wrong way, but is that just what it is? Uh, and sorry, mate, but that's what happens. Your legs hurt. Deal with it. Yeah. It's hard to gauge, right? Because, you know, yeah, is it, is you're it not experiencing that, it, so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is his pain tolerance very low? And, you know, what's terrible to him is normal to other people. I remember John Meadows, one of the later interviews I did with him, him saying, yeah, man, we we were doing these. He, he talked about a particular workout before we started the show. And he was like, man, after that workout, I was old school sore, like, you know, couldn't get off the toilet sore. You know, and, and I know though that soreness, you know, that soreness. <laughs> and that's not that's not unnormal. You know what I mean? That's no. that's what Dusty, I think, had said, too. Like, you're going to be Dusty and Ron, because I think I asked them about this or something similar. And they said, like, yeah, extreme, extreme soreness. Now, I will say this. So one of the reasons I went to uh, higher frequency and lower volume was I discovered that if I could get everything I needed out of one or two sets, then moving on to do more sets is only going to dig me in that hole and get me more sore than I would have had to have been. So I think, you know, I think you're on to something, Dave. Let's look at maybe the tightness of his muscles, stretching, what's causing the soreness, dig into that. But also he's onto something that being able to get everything he can doesn't necessarily mean that he has to do endless sets either. But no, no, we can't, it's, we can't it's judge. Quality, yeah. Yeah, we can't judge, though, without – I would love to see him train. You know what I mean? I would love to see what do these sets look like uh, to, to be able to see for myself. That would also help us, I think. But without having been able to, to see what his intensity is like, um, you know, we can only speculate. So, Yeah, I mean, just – and this isn't a besmirch of anybody. Um, I had a client once who would get to the point, and I'm not exaggerating, where he would be four or five sets, sorry, four or five reps away from failure. Right. And he would say that was too painful. Hmm. 
and you know, and he was miles away from his limitations, um, from his physical limitations, but his pain tolerance was was so low that that was all he could bear. He he really was not willing to do any more than that point because he said it hurt too much. I just now, talked about with Scott. That, did you see that study that just came out about about um, um, failure? Basically, it said that uh, something like most trained people it was untrained and trained people go to about 50 60 percent of what failure truly is like their perception mm, i would agree um, and yeah, what yeah. they use the, the vast majority of people are at about 50 60 percent of what they could have done i i would i would definitely say that it's it's amazing what you can actually achieve when your head is in the right place and quitting is not an option. Yeah. Uh, but it's a very difficult mindset to get into. Um, and obviously, it's a very painful mindset to have to endure. Um, I mean, a, a lot of people pro- proclaim, you know, oh, I train Dorin style, I do hit, I do this. And it's like, you don't because that level of intensity day in day out is is only for a minute percentage of people are capable of achieving that i know i couldn't yeah i regard myself as training hard in my day but i couldn't replicate the intensity that dorian did not on a day-to-day basis yeah, yeah I, I, one I a can, week, one right a week, i can but, muster it up at times you know but i know great bodybuilders yeah. pros that have said the same thing they're like they can't do that mm-hmm. day after day and we are not saying that that's him we're not saying that that's this guy that he's not, no. you know, doing enough. I mean, he's he's lifting a lot. He said like three fifteen for reps and, you know, four fifty five. You know, so he's he's a strong guy. But um, the, I, I would yeah, go back to what is, you said initially. Wide range. Yeah, yeah. The point is, there's a wide range. I mean, I'm a, I'm big one for efficiency in training. Yeah. You know, make sure whatever you do and the energy you expend gives you the biggest return. Don't sit there doing set after set. But then somebody just like that pump and squeeze volume approach. Some people just like doing rep. I've got a client at the moment, and he's a big lad. He's 128 kilo. Okay. Uh, and he's got abs visible. And uh, he loves nothing better than doing stupid volume on body parts. Stupid volume. He's, he's very much a pump and squeeze. I cannot get him to be more intense in the other terminology of it. it it has to be high volume for him he loves the pump and squeeze it works for him so i can't knock it all right damon sim has one for us uh, he says weird question i just traded for some bolden on sipinate no more left so i also got a couple undocumented if i were to start with the sip run out and switch would it uh, dip in Boldenon levels given uh, the Esther half-lives? I don't think there's going to be a, a major real-world impact. I mean, you're talking about, what, four days difference in half-life between the two? Um, so I don't see, if anything, levels are going to increase slightly when you move to the standard EQ. So I don't see there be an issue there, really. Not not anything that's going to be tangible in real world. I'm kind of anal, and I would just mix both right now. <laughs> so you would 
mix the two together so you're using a combination, almost a blend. Yeah, uh, it's exactly what period. I would do. Yeah, yeah. I, and then that's, I would that's just actually. Yeah, I've I've done that kind of thing before, you know, where you just kind of use some of each, and that way you know it's going to be consistent all the way through. So if you're taking like going to take one CC Monday, one CC Thursday, or whatever, I'd take a half and a half on Monday and a half and a half on Thursday. That's yeah, I, I can't argue with that logic, mate. At all, not in the slightest. Might not be able to read, but I know about steroids. <laughs> I know how to take drugs, Dave. Um, it wasn't spelt right. It was uh, spelt weird. Okay, currently cutting for a show. Oh, yeah, you're going to love this one, Dave, but we got to bring it up because we haven't talked about it in a while. We don't have to go into it. We got a bunch so we can rapid fire this one. My morning stack is 3IU's GH, uh, 300 milligrams of injectable L-carnitine, 40 clen, 30 T3, 200 caffeine, then do fasted cardio 20 minutes later. Uh, I taper up the dose of clen and T3 over time, uh, very slow taper for the T3. I have a question for the next show. Since tamoxifen lowers IGF-1, would two to three units of GH counteract that effect? This is a pet peeve of days. I'm not fucking answering it. You can deal with this. JD needs your help, Dave. Dave's Dave talked about this a bunch of times, so it's a, a pet peeve of his. In the real world, Dave will tell you that uh, you don't have to worry about this. Like it's, uh, I swore. I shouldn't swear. Uh, you don't have to worry about this nonsense with the lowering of IGF one. In the real world, you're going to be absolutely fine. You're already taking the three units of growth. That's going to boost you way up. So don't even worry about anything. If anything, I wonder about this. Tell me what you think about this. So I, I'll have people. Take is, he, is there any? Is there any anabolics in that mix? I know he hasn't mentioned it. Has he said it anywhere else that there's anabolics? He didn't, but I'm assuming so. If he's taking all these fat burners, I guarantee you he's on a on a hefty stack as well. Let me ask you this though. Yeah, uh, I mean, the anabolics will counteract the IGF one lowering of Novadex in its own right without even bothering with the GH. Sure. And, and even if you didn't, man, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that taking tamoxifen for your contest is going to make a difference. But so I usually will have people take Clen first thing in the morning. Get this. So Skip, if he has people doing AIM fasted cardio, he'll have them take their Clen after the cardio. Because that way, they their heart rate doesn't get artificially pushed up. He was like, I'll have people doing their cardio, and they're just like walking at one mile an hour, and their heart rate's at 120. I thought that was interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. More mm -hmm. fat burner talk. Let's see. Uh, curious how you guys think of my fat burner stack. Two weeks of ECA slash T5. Three days, <laughs> three times. He's doing that three times a day. At uh, he says twenty four micrograms, but he means twenty four milligrams of ephedrine. Um, then I switch to Yohimbine twenty. Also, once again, milligrams uh, daily with twenty micrograms of Clen for two weeks. Then I bump the Clen to forty. Uh, Yohimbine still at twenty. Um, but adding in 20 T3 for the last three weeks of a cut. I'm currently on 200 tests per week, and I also run uh, T4 daily for low thyroid as per Dr. Rx. Love the show. Thanks, guys. My head's very confused, by the way. He's mixing all that stuff around, Dave. I, I don't think the periodization is necessary. The ephedrine is not particularly excessive. 
though I would be a little bit concerned about Ephedrine at the back end of the day, just yes. for the point of sleep quality and recovery. Um, but I don't see the necessity to, to phase in and phase out what he's doing at all. Um, the other thing is, because he's running T4, and T4 will already be converting to T3, he's not going to get any diet-based suppression of his thyroid. So adding a T3 on top of that is going to make his T3 level particularly elevated. So it's not a criticism. It's just worth bearing in mind that there is going to be an accumulation there rather than just the T3. Yeah. Um, you see this a lot with people that run T3 because they're running GH. Sorry, T4 because they're running GH, uh, that their T3 levels tend to be higher when they add in T3 than you would expect for the simple reason that you've got an accumulation of T4 conversion to T3 yeah. plus T3 on top of that. And I don't, you don't go have the natural suppression that T3 would cause. I don't go that high on Yohimbine personally. I know you can go that high on Yohimbine. I can't remember what the formula is, like two, one, two milligrams per kilogram or per 10 kilograms. I can't remember what it is, but I've done the math before, and I know that a guy, you know, an average 200-pound guy can take like 20 milligrams of Yohimbine. But if I'm using an, like another fat burner like Clen, I've always managed to get a lot out of Yohimbine at a much lower dose. I'd rather take it more like it started at five, maybe move it to 10, uh, maybe 12. I don't really go, maybe like 15 would be absolute max, but I don't, I don't really ever go to 20 when I have that in conjunction. Also though, he could use that Yohimbine all throughout. Like it could be beneficial, like with ECA, ECA with Yohimbine, that's a, that's a good jam right there too, you know? Hmm. Yeah, I don't think there's any necessity for, for let's like, say, for the periodization of the drugs. Yeah, would, um, and you would pick ECA I, probably. It would be your preference over Clen. No, not necessarily. I mean, okay. I don't see an issue with particularly using both to an extent. Uh, I would probably use the T, the ECA or T five more around an exercise or training window. Mm. Um, because of its stimulatory effect, uh, and obviously much more stimulatory in a sense of pre-workout style stimulation rather than the clen. I mean, you're not yeah. taking clen and getting a buzz off it. Um, yeah. So T T3 can be very useful, particularly if you're trying to get very lean. You know, the T5 should say, particularly if you're trying to get very lean. Um, fatigue of, starts to become an issue. I think we got like a lot of follow-ups about these uh, fat burners from our previous episode. Um, what's the line on using clen plus caffeine? Like coffee and clen. I always tell people, assess how you're feeling on the clen. Don't assume that you're going to handle caffeine the same way you always have. You know? That sounds like that sounds like a restaurant name or a cafe name. Coffee and clen. Coffee and clen? <laughs> it can be our morning show. Coffee and clen. Welcome back to Coffee yeah. and clen. Coffee and clen. <laughs> You got any thoughts on that one, Dave? Or you, you're good to... Not really. Uh, okay. I don't. I mean, I don't think there's any issue from a point of view of interaction. Obviously, it's just the overall stimulation uh, yeah. and whether that gets too high. Um, and, and that, again, is down to a personal tolerance issue at the end of the day. Ooh, here's one for Dave. And he says, uh, Dave Crossland, you're my only hope. All I heard was like, Obi -Wan. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, says, that's how I just got in the end as well. <laughs> hey, guys, I uh, got a question for you. No one seems to be able to answer it for me. 100 
milligrams of TRT a week, doctor prescribed in UK. Been on it for close to 10 years now. When I've been on the TRT, my white blood cells drop below the reference range and I seem to pick up every bug going. If I come off the TRT, which I've done a few times just to test out my white blood count, goes back into range and I stop getting colds. Any ideas why such a small dose of testosterone is causing my white blood count to plummet? I eat clean, train regularly, but certainly am not overtraining. Doctors are useless apart from telling me to come off the TRT, which isn't an option. Dave Crossland, you are my only hope. Right. Is it white cells or is it neutrophils? Neutrophils commonly, commonly lower with, with AAS use. Um, it's, it's, it, yeah, it's very, very common. Um, um, white cell suppression is a little rarer but effectively what's happening um i believe <laughs> is that uh you are triggering an immune response so test flu test flu is an immune response it's basically your body responding to the influence of hormone as it was a virus um, so it thinks that it's an infection and it reacts accordingly. The temperature and everything you get with test flu is actually the, the immune system causing that. Okay. Um, and AS use, if your body views the, it could be the hormone, it could be something to do with the carrier oil, but if it, if it views it as a, a foreign body, it will continually trigger a immune response effectively using up your white cells before you can produce enough to replace the balance. So as a result, all the time you're introducing that anabolic, your body is creating an immune response which uses up white cells and it cannot keep on top of the requirement that is required. This hmm. is why very often post-immune post response, you'll see low levels of white or low levels of neutrophils because it takes time for the body to build those levels back up again. It's, it's what in layman's terms we talk about people being run down after they've been ill for long periods of time. Hmm. And it's effectively that your body just can't produce enough immune response to keep up with the demands that your body's creating in the sense of needing an immune response. So there is possible there's some sort of action going on there where your, your gear use is creating an immune response. Your body just can't produce enough white cells to keep on top of that. And as a result, your white cells are eternally low. Um, neutrophils is particularly common. We, we see that probably in about 90% of users will have low neutrophils. Um, mm. not so much with whites. Whites tends to be a bit, bit rarer, but it could be, depends what he's using. So if he's currently using a single ester, which I presume he will be, if he's on a hundred milligrams. He's getting it from, from the UK doctor. <laughs> Yeah, which is not that. It must be private script because I can't see NHS generally don't prescribe an anthate uh, or sipinate because it's just too fucking expensive. No. Um, so it may be worth discussing having a look at Sustanon or having a look at Nibido. Hmm, that's weird, man. And see, see if he gets a better response to a slower acting ester or a, a, a lower frequency uh, protocol. Okay. We've got a guy doing, uh, got a couple more here. Guy doing a, a contest. He says, um, ooh, this is from Patreon. 
as was that training question that we, <coughs> we told the guy that he was being a baby, basically, I think. No, we didn't. No, you said that. You said that. <laughs> uh, question for Dave. I'm prepping myself for my first show. Uh, that's at the end of September. He's going to be in men's physique and classic physique. How does my prep cycle look? Starting at 400 test, 300 mast E. Um, my usual test dose in a cycle up till now has been 400 to 650 and trying other compounds to see how I get on with them. Uh, I plan to increase the dose to 500 milligrams of test, 400 mass halfway through the cycle, and then uh, the last four weeks leading into the show, I'll add 100 milligrams of Tren Ace weekly and 50 milligrams of Winstrel daily. It'll be a 20-week cycle, so quite long, but I'm on TRT, so not trying to recover natural test levels. Also plan to do a blood work and a blood donation post-show. I would want to see some estrogen management in there because uh, the mast is definitely not going to be enough to handle estrogen management at those dose ins. I would be tempted to go the opposite route. So Six, I would go higher. 300 test, 300 400 mast. Okay. And then if he does the increase, I would keep the test at 300 and bump the mass to 500. Okay. It's a very low dose of trend, but I'm not against it. Because realistically, I think he could really do his first prep without trend altogether. So it's like, yeah, if you want to add it mm -hmm. and you do 100 milligrams of trend ace and you split it up every other day, I think that you would be fine with that. Mm -hmm. Maybe 25. No, I mean, I don't. The only thing I would change would be a lower lower level of the aromatizing compound of test and a higher level of the DHT, just so there's better estrogen management in there, especially yeah. at the back end of the cycle where we're, we're not so concerned. Um, but, yeah, I, I, otherwise I don't see any issue with it. Uh, and, I mean, his total dose is going to be about a gram a week, which is fine. I, I really don't see much in the way of problems there, apart from, like I said, I'd just swap those around. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, and especially in contest prep, we want to make sure that estrogen is managed. All right. Daniel says, a uh, question for the next episode. I've heard Dave speak about using HIT uh, training to complement a bulking phase. And he's he's saying like HIT cardio to complement a bulking mm -hmm. phase. Um, I'm wondering how would you guys structure these workouts, movements, length, and um, where to place them in the program? Right now, he's training four days in a row, one rest slash active recovery day. Would it be wise to place I, the HIT uh, training on the rest and recovery day? I don't think it's that crucial. Uh, it would depend on what your choice was for your HIT work and, and whether it's going to conflict with something like legs. Yeah. Um, but I would aim for three hit sessions a week and not necessarily on, on on training days. Sorry, on rest days. So I'd look at three hit sessions. Firstly, if it was me, I'd just schedule it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 20 yeah. minutes each time. Um, and if I, if I train AM, I'd do hit PM. If I train PM, I'd do hit AM. Would you start it out the gate? Because for me, I with clients that are putting on a lot of weight, I won't have them necessarily start with any kind of high intensity cardio, but as the weight starts climbing, you know, and as we're, we're in really good communication, 
then as we can sense that things might start getting to the point where they're going to start, say, losing that mobility and that their cardio is starting to struggle, if you can catch that early enough, then if we add that in then, then I feel like we can catch it and, and not, you know, not deal with those problems. Uh, I- I think a lot of it would depend on the individual's relative fitness before they start. Um, yeah. I think that's that's one situation. I tend to start it from scratch, but obviously the initial hit is nowhere near as intense as the hit further down the line. Um, for the simple reason is their fitness improves. Sure. And the other thing is I like to be working with that extra calorie expenditure from day one rather than adding it in at a certain point and then affecting where I am with calories in, calories out, because I've now added hit in at this point. But uh-huh. I don't always do it. it I say it depends on the individual. Um, I, I sometimes will leave it until they start to say, right, I'm struggling a little bit with the weight. Right, okay, let's get the hit in now. But obviously starting at that point is a more uphill struggle for them in the point of view of getting their fitness back on track because they're already unfit. Yeah, the key is to catch um, it early. You know what I mean? Like mm. to catch it to catch it before it becomes a problem. You're right though. Like when you get to that point where it's uncomfortable to like turn and put your seatbelt on, you're screwed when it comes to hit. Like it's going to be an uphill struggle then. It's going to be a fight. And, and a lot of people will say to me stuff like, "Oh, well, I can't get to gym twice a day. What do you need a gym for to do hit? Hmm. You got a flight of stairs?" Just move up the flight of stairs fast and then walk back down slowly and then move back up them fast. Be that a run-up or be that two, three steps in one point, whatever it be, but yeah. just make sure you're blowing out your ass. Push a sled in your driveway, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, play a game of football. There you go. Yeah. By that, do you mean short soccer? Sprint. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to be clear. Yes. Um. Okay. What's this one? Oh, high deca cycles. Can you elaborate on high deca cycles? It's something we talked about in the past. Seven hundred test, seven hundred deca with fifty ox hair is what he is consider on training days. Is what he's considering. Um, blood depending on the ox hair. He says I've only ever run deca once before and had no issues on four hundred, but I get nervous because of all the negative talk about memory loss and cognitive issues in general oh you've got to hammer it don't get me wrong i mean jesus christ i was a one and a half two gram a decker weight guy for a long period of time and yes i do have memory issues but i did take the piss i personally would go 400 test 700 decker on that i wouldn't go seven seven but that would be my personal choice Really? So, and, and so we recently discovered, or I recently discovered, that's what Broderick likes to do is lower test, higher DECA. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed you, since you guys hang out, I've noticed you've leaned more into that direction. You're good with, with taking the, the I've, test a little lower. I've, now, been, huh? I've been doing that probably five years. Okay. okay. And you've talked about it uh, more in the last year or so, especially running higher, yeah, it, higher DECA. And you find that's all right, huh? Most people, you'll get the odd one. You'll get the, you know, the you get the odd outrigger that just can't cope with it. Uh, but in general, most people cope with it very, very well. Uh, I find that most people struggle with DECA with high estrogen levels from high test, and that's where they're going wrong. They're struggling to manage their estrogen, yes. which is then creating the problems with the DECA. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, people are f- people do forget that Decca does a robotizer, but it is only at 20%. Um, so most of the problems from test Decca cycles usually do actually originate in the test and originate in the Eastern level. The other thing is I also look at the compounds from a stress factor point of view, particularly off-season. So in an off-season period, I want low physical stress drugs. I want my body to have as little stress as possible because that age recovery, I'm trying to grow. I want high levels of food. I want good food absorption. I want strong appetite. I don't want anything stressing my body. So I do like oxys, but I only use them at the back end of a cycle, and they are very, very much a case of any effect on appetite, we get rid. Yeah. I like DECA because it's anti-inflammatory. I like DECA because it's low physical impact, which means you can have a much, in my my opinion, a much more productive off-season than you would with, say, something like Trent. Though a very powerful drug, very toxic, very harsh, is going to cause high levels of inflammation, and your body's just going to be stressed to fuck. So I would much prefer a test again. Trust is going to increase stress. So I'd much prefer keep my test at a moderate to low dose, uh, and run my DECA, which is my big main muscle-building compound in that cycle, at the highest dose I can tolerate it. I've I've had people on 300 tests and 1,200 mega DECA before now with no issues whatsoever. Okay. Apart yeah, I've from never done it. Fucking good result. Yeah, it's it's not for everyone. You do, I'd say, probably 1 in 10 will struggle with it, and probably 3 in 10 won't be super, super strong on the libido front but they'll still be tolerable and still be enough to live with and they're not having an issue with it. It's just they remark, yeah, I'm not quite as horny as I would normally be, but that'll be as far as it goes. Uh, most people tolerate it really, really well, to be fair. Hmm. All right, we've got one last one in the live stream from Jason Franklin. He says, if guy on, on TRT was to blast Tess and Deca 600 and 600 between doctor blood work, how far in advance should he throttle back to prescribe doses to not raise any flags? So the problem here is not always the hormone flags. Now, Deca will show us test in a standard blood test. So a 600-600 is going to show very, very high level of tests. You're probably, if you... If you stop your TRT post-cycle and actually run with nothing, you're probably going to get away with three to four weeks for levels to get back down to a decent range, and then you can restart your TRT. Okay. If you keep your TRT in, that level is going to stay elevated and above range for probably eight weeks. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, I think, which is probably more of an issue is the added effect that's going to have on health markers. So one of the reasons doctors do blood testing when on TRT is not just to see where your levels are, but it's to manage the possible contraindications, which is blood thickness, lowering of HDL, and things like that. That level of cycle is no doubt going to increase blood thickness, is no going to doubt have an impact on HDL. And as a result, your doctor may be concerned that the negative impact on your TRT, because obviously he doesn't know you've just done a 1.2 gram cycle, are too great. And so that's where you're potentially going to see problems. Even if your hormones are where you want them to be, he may argue, well, HDL is really low, blood's really thick. This is abnormal for this dosing. What the fuck's going on? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's that's the other thing you have to be very wary of. The problem we never thought about years ago. 
Scott mm-hmm. added, yeah. um, he said uh, it was it was under 60% of the one rep max average is what what people generally uh, were, were using for weights. So people thought that they were going to failure and they were using under, under 60% of their one rep max. I, I think, to be fair, I mean, we've all we've all actually seen proof of this in our own workouts, if we're honest, in that we, we, we've got to a failure point with a bar and our training partner has physically just touched the bar and all of a sudden the fucking thing's moving again. Yeah, yeah. But they've not actually given us any assistance. It's just that their hands are physically there and straight away it moves again. So there's a huge psychological element to, to lifting at the, you know, the upper end of effort. Absolutely. By the way, hi, Scott. Hope you're well. Haven't spoken to you in ages. So that's all we got, guys. So next week, uh, we will not have an episode of Drugs and Stuff because Dave will be uh, doing lab work. He will be studious and getting work done and all of that. Uh, let's all hope that by the time this comes out, everybody will say, you know, hope you had a great time um, at uh, FitX Expo. And, uh, you know, we'll look forward to uh, getting another show together. So that said, like I said, we're not going to have a show next week, but definitely leave us questions, which I know you guys will. You guys are awesome at that. And we will tackle them when we get back in a couple of weeks, assuming that Dave makes it through through this weekend and uh, and he decides to come back. You might run away. I, I, I normally dread expos. I am actually, there's, there is a part of me quietly looking forward to this one. That's cool. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I, uh, it's. Um, oh, I'll send you pictures at newsstand. Uh, don't put them online, twat face. You mean at until until like because you know it's going to be revealed. This is something that will be revealed uh, this weekend. All right, cool. I look forward to seeing that. All right, guys, check out uh, our great sponsors. Speaking of Dave, you can go to evalbloodanalysis.com. Get your lab work done by Dave in the UK. TrueNutrition.com. They're the first company that ever basically took interest in what we're doing and they supported what we're doing. They've been supporting us for years now. Use our code THINK to help to support our programming. Let them know that their advertising dollars are are going to something good. Um, And also go to Strom Sports Nutrition for you guys in the UK. You can get some uh, great health supplements there on Cycle Support. Check out everything that they have. And uh, supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. Great deals that change week to week. And last but not least, the Patreon folks. You guys are freaking awesome. Sorry that we ripped up one of our Patreon guys and said that he didn't know how to train hard and that he is just being a big baby. We weren't really saying that. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, you guys. said that. I didn't. I was really nuts. <laughs> Stay on. <laughs>